heard that today. The truth is, if you're here today and you feel like I don't fit in and I'm not good enough and there's sin in my past that I just, what, what am I doing here? What they have sung, all of us can say who've been changed by Jesus. We all carry scars of some sort. We all bear the effects of sin. That's why Jesus didn't come to just save one or two, just save the preachers or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. We all need to be saved by Jesus, and we all need to grow in the faith. Man, if God is good, say amen. His Spirit has been with us already uh, through this singing this morning. That's right. Thank you, Lord. We need that, and we need what only God can give us and provide and uh, teach, teach us. So that is great today. Well, uh, Dad continues to recover from knee surgery. You guys know about that. He He's on the mend and uh, started to do better. They gave him some medicine that really kicked in last week for some problems he was having. And so uh, Dad's uh, doing uh, pretty good. Uh, when we went and he had the surgery that day, of course, we got him there early in the morning. Uh, my father had knee replacement surgery. Maybe if you're a guest and don't know that story, just had knee replacement surgery. And we took him early the morning over to have the surgery and were there with him in the back room. And when they came to get him, uh, we went out into the waiting area, and we went off kind of into a corner of the waiting area where nobody was. And my mom sat down and got out something to read, and I pulled my computer out and uh, had my Bible out and was sitting by a little desk there and uh, began to work on my sermon. It was going to be a long day and uh, going to make the most of it, so I was working on my message for the next Sunday. And uh, everything was really, really good until... That lady sat down. Far away, at least as far as you get in the waiting room, by ourselves, where no one was. And then that lady sat down. Now, you got to understand, she was not actually sitting in our area. We were sitting over here in this area, and she was literally across in another seating area. It just happened to be in our one-fourth of the waiting room. So she wasn't even sitting by us, wasn't even in our area. She was just in our one-fourth of the waiting room. And as I was sitting there, immersed in my preparation, as my mom was reading her book and everything was right with the world, that lady got out her cell phone and apparently went to YouTube and in the next 20 minutes we were blessed as the YouTube video she watched was cranked to its highest volume and we found out all the magical cures for cancer it's cured by the way it's cured I mean I heard it across the room YouTube was telling me it it's cured. It's not, I mean, all you got to do is do this. We heard them cure cancer. We heard them cure all of your weight problems. If you need to lose weight, this lady had the answer on YouTube. And on and on it went. And finally, I looked at my mom. And now my mom, this is the truth. My mom is the type of person that in my adult life, one time I've been in a car with her, and the, the light changed to green, and we sat there, for probably 30 seconds, and the other car didn't go. So we had been sitting for a long time, and I just reached up. My mom was driving. I reached up, and I honked the horn like you're supposed to do to let them know the light has changed, and my mom looked at me and said, Don't you ever do that again. 
I never honk my horn at anybody at a light. I'm thinking, I honk my horn all the time. But I looked over at mom, and I could tell, even with that sweet smile on her face, Vivian, I could tell even my mom was getting irritated how loud this lady had her phone up. Well, you, you know, you'd think it would, well, finally she turned the YouTube off. And I thought, yes, now it's going to be back to the nice, quiet space we had. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Some other folks had sat down. And she had to spend the next 20 minutes sharing everything she had watched on the video that we had all already heard. She had to share it all. Then finally I looked at my mom, and I said, that's it. I'm going to Ocha's for lunch. I'll see you in a little while. Now I left, and I went to Ocha's, and I had a great meal. And it amazed me that a restaurant full of people, it was quieter in there than it was in the waiting room in my private area. Well, I headed back to the hospital. And uh, got back over there. Well, my mom was not sitting there anymore. She was not there. And I thought, all right, now mom won't honk the horn, but even she can only take so much. And I looked around, and sure enough, I found mom, and Frida Stout had showed up, and her and Frida had moved to another area. And I kid you not, now we're not only not in the same one-fourth of the area, we're on a, a different part of the waiting room. We could still hear her talking the whole time. Now, when you're on your cell phone in public, and I understand some people have hearing issues, and I'm a, I give you a pass for that. I give you a pass if you aren't aware, right? I mean, now listen, I used to tell people all the time, if you sat behind Brother Troy in church, you were going to hear the message twice, once from me and once through his hearing aid. Amen, folks? Now, I give that a pass, all right? That gets a pass. But if you were a young person or a middle-aged, see, this lady's in her 50s, so I couldn't, I mean, probably 50s or late 40s. I mean, so it wasn't a young person, but listen, if you're on your cell phone and you're out in a group of people, don't yell into the cell phone. All right. Amen. Can I get an amen? That was all the way out in the hall. That was the hall monitor gave me an amen. Woo! Glory. <laughs> oh, you're awesome, William. We didn't know what we were getting when we got you. Listen, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't be that person, right? There's a right way and a wrong way. There's a way to have phone etiquette, and uh, there's a way to not have phone etiquette. I saw this sign. Show them this sign. Show them the, I'll show you this sign. that I Go go to the next one real quick. The Foghorn Talker, office behavior that drives your coworkers crazy. The Foghorn Talker, the entire department does not need to hear your phone conversations. Be sure to use your indoor voice. All right? That's right. Okay, so here's the deal. Where are you going with this preacher? Listen, there's a right way and a wrong way to be talking on the phone inside or watching your videos on your stuff inside. There's a right way, and there is a wrong way. If you didn't know, there's actually etiquette for this. I want you to know, as much as I don't want to catch you being that person out in public, even more than that, the Bible teaches us that when God calls, and I believe God still speaks. If you believe that, say amen. When God speaks, there's a right way, and there is a wrong way. There's a right way and a right spirit, a right heart. And I'm not talking about just being afraid all the time that, uh-oh, well, I prayed the wrong thing or think the wrong thing. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is clear in the Bible teaches us there is a right spirit and a wrong spirit when we respond to the word of God. And this morning, we are going to see the right spirit. We're going to see one thing to not do and two things to do, all right? So go to the book of Acts chapter 9, and let's listen today from God's word, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9, and let's listen as we learn what happens when God calls. How do we respond when God calls? Acts chapter 9, 
starting in verse 1. Now, this already assumes something as you're turning there. This assumes a belief that I strongly have, which is I believe that God still calls sinners to repentance. He still calls us to be saved, and He still calls us, as they sang about, to grow in sanctification, to grow and to uh, live the life that God has for us. Acts chapter 9 Verses 1 through 9. Now, we are at a turning point in this sermon series in the book of Acts. The church has been birthed. It is spread to the Samaritans, which are basically distant cousins of the Jews there in Judea. It has already spread to Samaria through the preaching of Philip. And then we saw it head south. Philip headed south, and it went to the uh, eunuch from Ethiopia, who will then carry it back home with him. So it's already spread north to Samaria. It is spreading south to Ethiopia. And now it is time for the gospel to really just explode. God is, God is ready. Yeah, God's not waiting anymore. The time is right for all the nations to know that Jesus saved, so that all the nations can join in in the worship that we just did this morning. The time is right. And God has a man. Has a man that he is going to call to launch this mission. Now we've already met this man once before in these sermon series. His name is Saul. And the writer of Acts told us when Stephen was stoned. Remember the first Christian martyr. When they stoned Stephen for preaching the gospel. This man Saul was there. And he is a vicious man. Look at Acts 9 verse 1. And Saul, yet or still, breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. He is uh, geared up. The more persecution, it seems, the higher Saul takes it uh, to the next level. So this is just feeding Saul's desire to end this thing known as Christianity, to end this worship of Jesus the Messiah. So he goes to the high priest. And he desired, what's he want from the high priest? He desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogue. So these are the, uh, I mean, similar to churches in some ways, right? And he wants the high priest to give him letters of recommendation so he can go uh, out to the synagogues that are spread out. Why? Why? That if he found any of this way, what way? The Jesus way. If he found any, that were of the Jesus way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? Is it hard for you, what you're involved in, what you are doing? Uh, continuing this, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. God does not operate on our timetable. God rarely, if ever, does things exactly the way we plan. Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, well, here's the first step of faith. Arise and go to the city, 
and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless. They don't say anything. Hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand, so his eyes uh, are damaged by this experience apparently. They led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. What a change we see in these brief nine verses. Saul starts out in the passage this morning ready to harm Christians. He's ready to harm Christians, but the passage ends with Saul totally disarmed and harmless after encountering the living God. And while Paul's experience, while it is a unique experience, there are a number of things that we can learn from this call, and we can learn about uh, what happens when God confronts us in our lives with our sin and our disobedience. So I want to point out three things when God calls. The first one is something to not do. So if you are indoors and you're on your cell phone, you know you're not supposed to use your outside voice. You're supposed to use your inside voice. Well, when God calls, what is it you are not to do? What you are not to do when God calls is do not. Do not when God calls. Do not trust your righteousness. Say one word after me. Say don't. Don't trust your righteousness when the Lord God speaks to you through his word. When he reveals himself to you, it is a dangerous thing to trust and remain in your righteousness. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Saul was threatening and slaughtering the disciples of the Lord. He went to the high priest, desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. Now that right there tells us something about the righteousness of Paul, the position of Saul. I'm sorry, Saul. Saul was a man connected to high places. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been able to get this kind of audience with the high priest. Saul knows and has access to the most powerful Jews in the capital there in Jerusalem. He knows the high priest. In Galatians 1.4, Paul would later write, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my own people. So he goes on, he will later write in Galatians, I was so extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. He is steeped in the righteousness of Israel. The best that Israel could ever do, that's what Saul strove for. Later in Philippians 3, 5, he would also say that I was circumcised the eighth day. The stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. Listen, Paul I keep saying Paul. He hadn't changed to Paul yet. Saul had a lot of confidence in who he was and where he came from. And he had a lot of confidence in what life was about. You'd have to have some confidence to be able to go to the high priest. And you'd have to have some confidence for sure to be uh, assured in yourself that it's the right thing to do to go and to take others prisoner, uh, prisoners that will lead to their death. Saul feels pretty good in his righteousness. He feels secure in his righteousness but when God came calling when God came calling on the Damascus road where Saul found out what all sinners find Saul found that his righteousness was as a filthy rag Saul's righteousness the best he had 
had led him to actually kill God's people. He had been actively opposing the will of God. But confronted by God, he realized something very important. That his past, his history, the best that he had before God did not mean a thing. Church, we need to, uh, if not literally, figuratively, within our hearts, we need to have an attitude of kneeling before God, recognizing that our best actually damns us and what we need is not our righteousness what you need is not your righteousness what we need to do is to kneel today if not literally at least in our heart we need to kneel before Jesus today and acknowledge Lord my righteousness ain't gonna get it done I don't want that anymore Jesus I want your righteousness so this morning there are some of you that are striving and you are trying and you like Saul are going about your business and you are doing what you think is right but if you haven't heard anything else the singing this morning or the message already there's one thing you should already know that this isn't about your best this is about Jesus and his best for you which involved a cross and a death and blood shed for your salvation if you are glad for the righteousness of Jesus say amen now, don't trust your righteousness, but number two, what you should do is do recognize Christ's authority. Do not trust your righteousness, but do recognize today and any time that God speaks, recognize the authority that Jesus has. Look at verses four through six. He's going on his way. He's, he's uh, trusting in his righteousness, but something happens. This light falls, and verse four says, he fell to the earth. Heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you persecute. Is it hard for you to kick against the pricks? And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? He asked him a question. He acknowledges that it's no longer about what he was planning to do, what he had prepared to do. It is about what Jesus wanted him to do. And all of us in our lives today. We have plans, and we have preparations, and we have things that we are expecting to do and anticipating we're going to do. But what we must remember is that God has given us this word so that he can graciously confront us and remind us and show us, I have a plan for you that is better than any plan you could have come up to. And so when God speaks, we need to recognize the authority that he has. Listen, if, it, if you're... If you know your plan's not good enough, and what we need is the plan Jesus has, say amen. See, the reality is you're living by plan B when you live your plan. Actually, you're not. See, you have a plan, but we learn in the Bible that what you think is your plan is actually the plan that the father of lies, the enemy of the devil, has for you. And if you're not careful, he will lead your thoughts and he will lead your mind and lead your actions into places that you never thought you would go or never be or your attitude to be in places you never thought your attitude would stoop to. And so the reality is, it's really not your plan. There's really only one option. You're either doing the plan of the enemy, what he wants, or you are acknowledging, Lord, I want to know your plan, and I want to know 
the attitude you want me to have. And I want to know the steps that you want me to take, the way that you want me to treat, and the way that you want me to act. So we need today to recognize the authority of Jesus. Now, Saul is a great asker of questions. And we'll learn later uh, that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a great teacher among the Jews. And so Saul, I think, I think Saul, see Saul in his writings, the Holy Spirit's going to use Saul to do some amazing things. And, I, and part of it is God, we're going to see through this, when Saul becomes Paul, God's going to use him to write these letters that, that really take us deeper into what Christ's work on the cross did. And Paul's going to, in his letters, he's going to answer some amazing questions that a lot of people have. Saul was a great, he was a great question asker. He sat at the feet of great teachers and he had learned from them. And so he asked Jesus two great questions. He, one of them he asked Jesus, he, he says to him, he says, hey, who are you? Like he just, he doesn't know this voice. He hasn't heard this voice before. He just knows something strange is happening to him. Something has come upon him. And so he asked, who are you? Well, this is Jesus talking, and Jesus is Lord. And when Jesus says that there, when, when, when Saul says that to him, he says, Who are you, Lord? He's acknowledging whoever this is that is doing this to me has authority now in my life. This is Lord. And the fact is, Jesus doesn't just have authority for one moment in time. The fact is that Jesus demands his authority in our life for the entirety of our life. Why does Jesus had this authority, and why is it that Saul can correctly say, Lord, why can he give him that title? Listen to some of the things the Bible says about the authority of Jesus Christ. Why should you listen to his authority? Listen, Matthew 28, 18 says that Jesus came up and spoke, and this is what he said, Matthew 28, 28, 18. He said, all authority, all. Say that after me, say all. All is a big word. All means all. All authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth. How big is that authority that has been given to him in heaven and earth? Ephesians 1.21 says that Jesus is far above all other rule and authority and power and dominion. And it says in Ephesians that every name that is named, Jesus is above them all, not only in this age, but in all the ages to come. So Jesus has a big, big authority. Well, how is it that Jesus has this big, big authority? Matthew 11.27, Jesus said there, all things have been handed. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And then he says this. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. He says, I have all authority because the Father has given it to me. And there is no way to know the Father without knowing me. And there's no way of knowing me unless you're willing to obey the Father. Ephesians 1.20. Now, Now, is this authority he's got? Is this still an active authority? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Jesus is still exercising the same authority that he exercised here with Saul. He still exercises the same authority, which is why we sang in our songs, we believe in the name of Jesus, which is another way of saying we acknowledge the power and the authority of Jesus. Ephesians 1.20 teaches us that when he, God, raised Jesus from the dead, what did he do? He seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. And 1 Peter 3.22 tells us that that right hand, he is now at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven, and now after the angels and authorities and powers have been subjected to him. If you believe in the authority of Jesus, say amen. 
so today, don't trust your righteousness. Don't trust your righteousness, but do recognize the authority of Jesus. And finally, my friends, when you recognize this authority, when you are confronted with it, respond to God's direction. Respect the authority and respond to the direction that God gives. Now, what direction does he give him? Look at verse 6. He, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, he said, I want you to arise and go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. So he's at a critical point. Will he, he has recognized the authority, now will he obey the direction that has been given by Jesus? Verse 8, when Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now, he had planned to go there because he asked for letters to go there. Uh, and he wound up where he was planning to go, but he got there in a very different shape and fashion than he'd originally thought. Saul, remember this very closely. Saul had heard from God before. When Stephen, that martyr, was killed, Saul was there. And on that day that Stephen was killed, the Bible lays out the sermon that Stephen preached. And Saul apparently heard the word of God proclaimed that day. But on that day when Stephen preached it, Saul did not follow. Saul stayed in his rebellion. But now God has spoken again. But this time, the voice of God has broken Saul. The first time Saul was there when Stephen's body was broken as the word was proclaimed. Now it is Saul's body that has been broken by this light from heaven. Stephen's body was broken, but now it is Saul's. Saul was in a state of disobedience when Stephen preached, but now he has been broken by God and he is in a state of obedience. So I want to ask you today, where are you with God? Are you submitting to God's will for your life now? Is your marriage, is your money, is your future, are your hopes and dreams, are they at the feet of Jesus? Or are you like Saul when Stephen preached, standing in rebellion against the word? This morning, Jesus recall, calls on you. He calls on you like Saul to respond to the direction that he gives, to repent of your sin and to be saved, to allow him to guide and direct the pathway for your life, to give you that eternal destiny with him forever. God is calling you today to base your life and to base your future and to base your eternity not in your righteousness, but in the plan and the direction and the authority that he possesses. When Saul was confronted by God's word in Stephen's preaching, he did not respect or respond to God. He did not respond to the call to be saved and to follow the Messiah. But today in his grace, in his grace, the Lord has broken Saul. He has broken him. And he has brought Saul to a point where Saul will now listen to the word of God. My friends, some of you are broken in this room today. You are broken. You are broken over your secret sins. 
You are broken over the choices that you have made. You are broken over where your life is at. And the Lord God has brought you in this place, not primarily to hear me speak, or primarily to hear the musicians play or the singers sing. God has brought you primarily here to be confronted with His Word so that you could know that in your brokenness, you can be saved. Unlike Saul, you can be obedient to the Lord today or you can do like he did when Stephen preached and you can remain in your righteousness and you can walk away. October 31st, 1999, a full airplane took off from JFK Airport in New York. The airplane was headed to Cairo, Egypt. Shortly after takeoff, being a long flight, uh, the pilot put it on autopilot and got up and walked out of the cockpit. I don't know if he was going to use the restroom or what he was going to do, but he walked out of the cockpit. When he walked out of the cockpit, the suicidal co-pilot, which he did not know was suicidal, the suicidal co-pilot disengaged the autopilot. He moved the throttle levers from cruise to idle, cut the engines, and the airplane began to pitch nosedive down toward the ocean. In the final moments before impact, the horrified pilot was able to get back into the seat and to battle the co-pilot for control of the plane. The pilot pulled back on the controls, desperate to bring the Boeing 767 up, while the suicidal first officer pushed his own controls forward to keep the jet driving. On that day, October 31st, 1999, Egypt Air Flight 990 crashed into the Atlantic Ocean outside of Nantucket, Massachusetts. All 217 people aboard were killed. There was a battle that day. There was a battle that day in the cockpit between the co-pilot and the pilot. The Bible teaches us that within all of us there is a battle that rages. All of us who have been exposed to the Word of God. There is a battle between the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and there is a battle between the flesh. And the reality is, how we respond to that battle determines whether or not we are in the will of God or not. It's not a question of, will there be a battle? It's not a question of, is the devil going to attack me with sin? It's not a question of, is my own sinful state uh, going to create some problems for me? The question is, are you recognizing the authority of Jesus or not? And when that battle rages, will you follow his direction for your life? Or will you trust your own righteousness? Saul is in a moment of suspense and when we stop the text right here today we are in a moment of suspense Saul has taken the first step what will happen to him what will God do what will his life be like and my friends this morning we are in a state of suspense and many of you are in a position where what you do and what your life will be how you will end your life how you will run your life how you will continue your life is going to depend on whether or not you recognize the authority of Jesus or not. 
So my friends, I can go home today and I can say it's been a great worship service because the music was great and the singing was great. And there's already been a spirit of joy in this place. But if you walk out of this room not yielding to Christ's authority in your life, you may walk out saying it was great, but the reality is you are blinded by sin because if you leave this room without being obedient to Jesus, it's not great for you. You are in the worst position you could possibly be. Amen? So for some of you, there's unconfessed sin in your life. But you know today is the day to confess it. For some of you, there's bitterness that you're holding on to. And the Lord God has been convicting and calling you and saying, let go of this bitterness. For some of you students... You, you, know, you don't know everything God wants. Saul doesn't know here either. He's just got to take that step. Some of you know that there are some things that God is calling you to do and to be, but the flesh rises up, and you know today what you need to do is you need to commit again and listen to God's voice and spend some time in prayer that, Lord, I will be obedient to you. You see, they sang that song. The song said, Lord, help me to be something different. The fact is, not only can you be different today, Today, you can be a child of the King, walking in His will, living according to His purposes. Now, Saul is in a blinded state. Why did God do that to him? Why did God allow him to experience that? Because the reality is that Saul was creating hell for others by killing men and imprisoning them. He had created a hell for others, and the reality is he was headed for the eternal hell. The little taste that he was given, folks, of the devil's work, he was headed on a path for that for all of eternity. And the truth is, today, if in your heart you're convicted because you say, well, I haven't killed anybody, but I've created some hell for some folks. I've done some devil's work in this life. I've walked in my own righteousness, and I have done things that I'm ashamed of that I know that were wrong. The fact is, that little taste of hell that you are creating, the fact is, if you don't repent, God is going to let you have that. What you have created and what you have chosen, you will receive that for all eternity. But you don't have to because the Lord is gracious even in the breaking. He is breaking Saul to save him. To save him. So my friend, if you are broken today, there's only one thing to do with that brokenness. And that's come. And lay it at the feet of Jesus this morning. Would you stand with me today? Dear God, we ask today that we would respect your authority. And Lord God, we ask today, we've heard this word, that we would respond in faith. Lord God, I pray if there's one here today that's trusting in their righteousness, Lord, would you use these next few moments? Would you use this suspended time? your time, Lord, to bring some clarity through your spirit to some folks. Lord, if there's one here today, they, you're not, I know you're not going to give them every answer. That's not what you did with Saul. But Lord, I believe there is one here that you're prodding, that you're calling, that you're speaking to. Lord, I pray that they would respect your authority today. And that they would respond to your direction. Church, look right here at me. If there's a burden, if there's an issue, if there is a sin in your life, especially if there's a sin, 
and you need forgiveness, listen, you come today and we'll pray with you. This is your time. This is God's time to speak to you. If there is a burden, if there is a sin, if there's a rejoicing that you need to lay at Jesus' feet, if you are broken today, listen, you do what God leads you to do, all right? You just let God speak. As Brother Cecil sings, you let God speak to you today. Close your eyes right there. He's going to sing, and you be in a spirit of prayer. And while Brother Cecil sings, if you need to come this morning, you come and listen to the voice of God.